What's happening, church? How you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can we give it up for all of our family that's watching church online this weekend? Hey, we love you guys. We miss you guys. We can't wait for you to be back with us in person. And uh, man, I'm excited for today. We've been in a series called Apparently. We've been talking about parenting and, and this whole conversation, this whole idea came out of conversations with you guys online during the middle of the pandemic. We said, hey, what do you want to hear about? And overwhelmingly we heard, hey, can you talk to us about family? Can you talk to us about parenting? Can you talk to us about how do we build strong families? And we've been looking at a verse out of Proverbs chapter 24, verse three over the last couple of weeks. And it says this, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. And here's what I know is it takes a lot of wisdom to have a good family, and it takes a lot of understanding, it takes application of that wisdom to make it strong. And it's been so much fun for Shayla and I to share years and years. We, we've been studying, we've been res- researching how to be great parents for the last 20 years. We, we thought eventually we'd be a parent. We got to be a parent for a couple of years to a foster child, and that was a great experience. But today I want to talk to you probably about the most important aspect of parenting uh, and what is most critical for raising a family that has nothing to do with your children and it has everything to do with a husband and wife. Has everything, you know, if you haven't figured this out at this point, uh, this whole series is not really about training your child, it's about training you. Come on, people online, I know you're sitting there watching with a bag of Doritos right now or whatever you got. This is not about teaching your kids how to do things. This is retraining you into how you do things because everything that you do as a parent is a trickle-down effect into your children. So the things that you don't like in your children are probably things that you're doing. Every time Alexander comes to our house, he runs around and he yells at our dog. Preacher, no. Preacher, no. Preacher, no. And I'm like, where did you learn that? He learned that from this joker right here. And whether we realize it or not, so much of what our children are learning comes from us. And, uh, and the most important relationship in your family is a relationship between the husband and the wife. And so many people, when they get married, end up just trying to make it. When they begin families, they just try to make it. And I want you to know that God doesn't want you to just try to make it. He actually wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. And that isn't just for you personally. I believe he wants that for your relational world. And the most important relationship besides your relationship with God is going to be your relationship with your spouse. But at the same place, point, the place that probably creates the most hurt, the most pain, the most frustration, the most anger, uh, is with people we thought we loved the most, right? Like nobody can make me angrier than Shayla. Nobody can make me feel loved like Shayla. How does that work? I don't really know. But that's how relationships work. And yet, this is the most critical aspect of our lives. And here's what I know is that today, there are more divorces that are happening than ever before in the history of America. 
There have been more affairs that have come out in this season. There's been more frustration and pain and abuse and verbal abuse and in all kinds of words that have been spewing out. There have been more feelings that have been trampled on. There have been more people that are struggling than ever before. And this is not a new phenomena. In fact, the phenomena that we're facing today was happening in Jesus' day as well, just so you know. In fact, the religious people of the day actually came to Jesus at one point in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. And, it said, and they asked him, they said, man, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And, and, and here's basically what they were saying. They, they were saying, listen, we know that you can heal. We've seen you do that. We know that you can perform miracles in life. We know that you came to save. But can you do something about our relational world problems? Can you fix? this thing that seems unfixable in so many people's lives and and here's what he responded and 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 at the end of it is kind of the big idea for today and it's it's verses four through six he says haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two but they are one Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And what he's saying is he's saying, listen, in order to be successful, no matter what kind of success you're looking for, and I think we're all looking for success when it comes to our relational world, the relational world begins with the husband and wife, and it's not about, it's not about you being two individuals. It's about the two of you coming together and becoming one. And what he's saying is he's, he's saying you've got to be careful about the things that separate the most important relationship in your life. And the reason you got to be careful is because it's so easy to slip into this area where it seems like your, your marriage is kind of slip, slip, sliding away in life. And so what causes that relationship that's so critical to become the not, the not focal point of the relationship and and I think it begins right away on the wedding day because what is what's the couple thinking the bride what is she thinking about she's thinking about she's thinking about commitment she's thinking about romance she's thinking about vows she's thinking about this beautiful day she's thinking about a new life what is the husband thinking about you all know what he's thinking about he's thinking about responsibility he's thinking about finding you all need to get your minds out of the gutter at church today come on now it's a holy place. He's also thinking about that, okay? <laughs> but on that wedding day, right, they're, they're close. They're, they're hand in hand. They're arm in arm. They're exchanging these vows of love and devotion to one another. And then right away, they jump from honeymoon to career. And they're both working because the majority of homes, both husband and wife, are working. They're, 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 then all of a sudden, they have kids. And all of a sudden, a kid comes into that relationship, and it goes from being just them in the relational world to all of a sudden they have kids, and they've got cribs, and they've got, they've got all these things going on. Then they have hobbies. Uh, the husband has shopping. The wife has golf. Maybe that's opposite. Uh, then you throw in the unpredictability of life, the pressures, the, 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 the good-looking coworker, the, the, the always wanting, needing, desiring more in life. And you end up with problems. Like the Bible says, like sheep, we have all gone astray. And what happens is that each of us turn 
our own way because we all have something that we turn to. And I think that, that what happens is, is when those things come in in life, we start moving in directions and we end up believing some myths about our relationships. In fact, there's kind of three myths that we buy into in this point. And, and one of those myths is, is we think that denying the problem will make the problem disappear. You fight with the strength of many men tonight. I am Arthur, King of the Britons. I seek the finest and the bravest knights in the land to join me in my court at Camelot. You have proved yourself worthy. Will you join me? You make me sad. So be it. Come, Patsy. None shall pass. What? None shall pass. I have no quarrel with you, good Sir Knight, but I must cross this bridge. Then you shall die. I command you, as King of the Britons, to stand aside. I move. For no man. So be it. Stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar! Come on, you pansy! <laughs> Victory is mine! We thank thee, Lord, that in thy mercy. <laughs> Come on, then! What? How at you! <laughs> you are indeed brave tonight, but the fight is mine. Oh, and enough, eh? Look, you stupid. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look! Just a flesh wound. <laughs> Look, stop that. Chicken. Chicken. Look, I'll have your leg. Right. Right, I'll do you for that. You what? Come here. What are you going to do, bleed on me? I'm invincible. You're a loony. The Black Knight always triumphs! How about you? Come on, then. All right. We'll call it a draw. <laughs> Come, Patsy. Oh, oh, I see. Running away, eh? You yellow! Come back here and take what's coming to you! I'll bite your legs off! <laughs> Some of us, that is our approach to marriage. We're, we got arms chopped off, legs chopped off, and we're going, oh, it's just a flesh wound. Uh, that's just a scratch. And we're denying, like, we're denying the problem. Like, we're just going through life thinking that if I just continue to act like nothing is wrong, then things will get better. You, ma'am or sir, are a fool. We don't hope our way to better things. We work our way to better things. 
And here's, here's part of the problem, is most of us, we won't admit that we've got a problem. We live in a world where it's like you're never to admit defeat. Sometimes you need some help in life. In fact, if, you're, if you've got problems right now, don't wait till they get so bad that you go, oh, now I need help. If you're starting to have problems right now, get some help now. Because the problem is just going to continue to build on it. And it's going to get to a point where it's almost impossible to turn around. In fact, I would say unto thee, go to some counseling. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. There's probably some script. If they would have known about counseling, they probably would have put a scripture in the Bible about counseling. Man, and then, and then, and then there's some people that think, well, we got problems. So you know what will fix it? We'll just have kids. Kids don't fix your problems. They enhance them. If you got problems when you had a kid, you're just adding a kid to your problems. Single people, if you're dating somebody right now and you have problems, getting married to them will not make your problems go away. Because everything that you think is cute right now will not be cute when you're married just telling you we 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 think we think denying the problem will make it disappear and it just isn't the case another myth that we believe is we think that our marriage will always be perfect hold on to the railing keep your eyes closed don't be i'm not Our marriage is going to be perfect, just like Titanic. <laughs> Listen, your marriage will never be perfect because you're married to a person. And people are not perfect. And as perfect as that scene was right there, just remember, she lets him die at the end. Like, there was room on the door. I could see it. We all thought the same thing, but she's like, no, I'm going to save myself. You, you swim in the freezing water right and hollywood gives us this idea that everything is going to be perfect and great and it's, it's just not real and and 
and we got to realize that. In fact, you, you, should, you should turn to your spouse periodically every once in a while and go, you know what, our marriage is not perfect because of me. Like, it might be perfect because of you, but it's definitely not perfect because of me because we all know that we are jacked up and we are messed up. Then the third myth that we believe is we think the grass is greener on the other side. Man, we look over the fence and we think, man, if I could just have that. And what you fail to realize is that the water bill's higher over there. That in order to have grass that's that green, there's a whole lot of manure that's put on that. There's a whole lot of cost to that. Listen, the grass is greener where you invest in it. And you, you want to have a, a, a great relationship, then, then you've got to invest in those things. And this whole series has been, how do we create this strong family? And the strongest families begin with the husband and the wife. It begins with you as the parents. And we said in the very beginning, that verse that said, the two will become the one. The, the, the way that you get a long-lasting, healthy family is that the two actually it has to go like this one plus one plus one equals one you're like wait a second how did how'd you get a third one in there because here's the deal you it's got to be you and your spouse and god the three have got to become one and as we all pursue god and we pursue each other we become one that's why the bible in philippians chapter 2 it says live together in harmony and love is though you and only one mind and one spirit between you that's the goal in a relationship is that that shayla and i we would have one mind and one spirit between us and that would be we would be living on the same values and the same principles and the same same way and that we would continuously make every effort to keep the unity of that spirit that we would constantly be talking and engaging so that we could stay on the same page in life and in order to do that you have to put a lot of effort in great families don't happen by accident like apparently i just have a great family that's not how it works. It takes a ton of effort. It takes a lot of time spending together. It takes reading books. It takes investing in your relationship, going to connect groups, uh, doing the things that are necessary to become one. The most important thing is getting God's word and let him change you on a daily basis so you can look more and more like his son. So, so how do you become one? I, I just want to give you five, five areas really quick today that I think are pretty important that I think God would ask you to work on when it comes to your relational world you can apply these to marriage you can apply these to relationships in general they all apply so number one if you're taking notes you have got to make communication a priority if I can wave a magic wand and give you one skill for your relationship it would be this it would be communication, and it would be a priority. Do you know that statistically speaking, they've done tons of research, the average couple in America spends four minutes a day alone talking to each other about things other than their job and their kids. Four minutes. Four minutes. That's not even a half hour a week. If I only invested four minutes in things... Do you know what kind of, if I only exercise four minutes a day, I look like this. <laughs> it's, not, it's not real pleasing. 
Like, this is something that we've got to make a priority. And you know what's interesting is that in those four minutes, have you ever noticed how much trouble we can get in? Like, in, in four minutes, you can ruin a lot of stuff in your relationship in that four minutes. Why? Because James tells us, man, our tongue is like a, a knife that'll slice through people, man. It is like a flaming thing that will set ships and different things ablaze in life. And if you could do nothing else in your relationship, if you would go, hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to set time aside to create this communication path, it would change the dynamics of your relationship. I love what Proverbs chapter 13 verse 17 says. It says, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy brings healing. Now check this out in the Living Bible. This same verse, this is what it says. It says, reliable communication permits progress. You got to create a space where there's reliable communication. In fact, I remember about 14 years ago, I, I studied this curriculum. It's called Growing Kids God's Way. Uh, it, it's, it's old school curriculum uh, of parenting. But one of the things that the authors of this curriculum talked about is they said, you know what, most children struggle in life especially if if you're having kids running and getting into bed with you at night or they are bedwetting one of the reasons they do that is is because they don't see mom and dad together enough and so they're looking for places it's one of the reasons why they run into your room and and, and get in bed with you they're looking for a place where mom and dad are together they said, and if they don't see that and they're in their room, what it will do is it will cause anxiety in them, which causes them to have a lot of bedwetting. It's like been proven that the critical nature of your communication with your spouse is so important to their development. What, but more than that, it's important for your development of your relationship. And so if you want to have a healthy relationship, the most important thing, the most critical thing you could do is go, you know what, we're going to set aside 15, 20 minutes every day, and we're going to go, this is a no-kids zone. Is if you have kids, if you don't have kids, you should just be doing this anyways. Sit down, and we're going to talk. We're, hey, how's it going? What's happening in your life? How are you feeling right now? And then, man, here's what you do. When, they, when your wife answers, you, you, you give this phrase, tell me more about that. You know what she'll do? She'll tell you more about it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you'll get an open door to her heart. Because more than anything, you know what she wants to share? She wants to share how she feels. And if you begin to share how you feel, you'll get other things opened. Okay. <laughs> Number two, just saying. Number two, you got to live for the good of your spouse. If you're not married, I would say live for the good of others. The real definition of love is living for the good of your spouse or, the, or, or of others. It's, it's why you exist. It's why you exist in every relationship. That's why Ephesians 4, 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, that's not natural to do those things, to be humble and gentle and patient so we can bear with one another in love but that's why we need to stay close to jesus that's why it's one plus one plus one brings you to one 
Because the closer we get to him, the more that we are going to be considerate and the more that we're going to love and the more that we're going to be humble in those situations. Why? Because we're going to remember in those moments that, man, we've been extended this amazing amount of grace. We've been given this amazing gift of forgiveness. And so we are going to humble ourselves in moments and I'm going to live for the good of the other person. And when you begin to do that and you spend that time with Jesus, you'll notice that your temperament changes. You'll notice that your, your cadence in life changes, that your temper changes because all of a sudden you're becoming more like God, which means you're going to see people more the way that God sees people and that you're going you're to respond to the people the way that God would respond to people. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Like we, as men, this is, this is hard for us to do a lot of times because we live in a world where it's like, man, people serve us and we think that our spouse, because the old adage is, is your wife is to do all the housework and you go work and you come home and they just serve you. But no, 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 we're supposed to treat them with this respect and with this honor and be considerate of them, especially because both of you are probably working. And so we need to do those things. We need to recognize that, man, I want to live for the good of them. So I want to serve them. I want to help them i want to be there for them i'm it means i gotta pay attention to them i gotta pay attention to what they say i gotta pay attention to what they feel it means getting that and giving that common courtesy that everybody is looking for it's like when you're going somewhere waiting for your wife to have both legs in the car before you drive off you know just common common respect and courtesy kind of things And here's the deal, like how you're treating your spouse, whether it's a husband or wife, do you know that your children are watching that? And they're eventually going to emulate that? Do you want your daughters marrying a man like you, sir? Wives, do you want your sons marrying a woman like you? And how you treat people? How you use your words? Number three, here's the big one. You got to lay down your rights. In a day and an age where we are individuals and we are all about our rights, got to protect my rights. Not trying to get political here, but that's how we that's how we roll. These this is my rights. And some of the rights that we think we have is priority when it comes to relationships, ownership, and privacy. But in order to become one, you got to lay down those rights. Priority. You're not number one anymore. You know who's number one? Your spouse. When you get married, your number one priority is not numero uno anymore. Your priority is them. Your priority is not your children. They're great, but you are going to train up a child in the way they should go. That is the goal, is that they will leave. And then you're stuck with that joker. And because you made your children your priority, you have no relationship for them. Do you know that the, the, the three years that people get divorces are year two, predominantly which they, they've realized, man, I married this person. I can't do this for the rest of my life. And they're out in year two after year one. Year seven, 
you just had children you're like oh my goodness I have kids and I'm with that person still and I can't do this with them or those kids and then year 25 we raise these kids and I have no idea who this person is that I'm living with why because priority it's also ownership it's I belong to them see what's mine is now ours This is important. Like, there's nothing that I have that, Shayla, it, that is not Shayla's. And then privacy. When you get married, you lose your right to privacy. Oh, you can't see my phone. Why? You, can't, you don't have access to my bank account. Why? You're, you're already living separated. I know this goes against today's day and age. Well, I got to be prepared for if. So you're already preparing for the worst case scenario. So you're not giving much hope to this. No, 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 no. Man, we, we, we got to lay down our rights. First Corinthians tells us love does not demand its own way. The mark of genuine love is an unselfishness in life like Jesus. What did he do? He gave it all up all up for us that's how it works in a healthy god honoring relationship is you give it all up for that other person number four you got to keep romance alive which means you got to make an effort you want to see passion burn in your relationship you're gonna have to throw some logs on that fire some of you are like where's the passion when's the last time you threw a log on the fire like, you gotta make, like, you got to create some things to make that happen. I, I believe that every relationship should live by, by some rules. And it, I, I say it's a 777 rule. You should write this down if you're married. If you're not, this should be your goals, hashtag goals in life. It, it should be this. Every seven days, we go on a date. Every seven weeks, we get a night away. A night away means no children. It's, it's mommy-daddy time. You might get some kids out of that, okay? <laughs> and then every seven months, you need to go on vacation. That also means no children. Going on a trip with your children is not a vacation. It's a nightmare. But when you get back, you need a vacation, just the two of you. It says in Proverbs chapter 5, 19, may you ever be captivated by her love. It could be his love. Well, you have to do some things to keep that captivated. Start each day and say, I love you. Compliment them freely and often. I think one of the best things you can do is live each day like it's your last day together. How would you live that day? Kiss unexpectedly. Here's a big one. Apologize sincerely. Forgive quickly. Let her give you directions when you're lost. <laughs> Women, laugh at his jokes. I know they're corny. My wife, you hear her up here. That's her fake laugh every week. You can hear it. It's like, <laughs> that's not how she laughs. You know what she's doing? She's loving her boy. 
She's, she's stoking the flames of romance. <laughs> Men, ask her to marry you again. Women, please say yes. <laughs> Don't go to bed mad. Work that issue out. Ecclesiastes 9.9, 9, Ecclesiastes 9, 9, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. And then number five, this is a big one, make an unconditional commitment. Definition of marriage is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. That's what marriage is. I'm committed to you with all of your faults, which there aren't many, babe. All of your ideas, all of your thoughts, I'm, I'm just committed to you. And what commitment really means is that I'm going to stay with you until we work this out. And I'll be unhappy until we work it out. But I'm going to stay. And I think so many of us have bought into the greatest lie that's out there when it comes to commitment is that we think well we're just incompatible no it just got tough it just got hard and we live in a day and an age where it's easier to quit when it's hard than it is to push through the pain to get to the other side where it's such a greater purpose you know what our, our bible tells us to keep our commitments let your yes be yes and your no be no. Even if it's painful, even if it's hard. In fact, one of the things that if you were to ever do premarital counseling with me is, is I would say, listen, one of the first things you're going to do is you, divorce is never an option in your relationship. In fact, you don't even use the word divorce. Like, divorce is not in your vocabulary anymore. And if you're thinking about that before you even get married, don't get married. There's not a lot of things, and I'm not trying to condemn you if, if, if you've gone through a divorce at all. Listen, we, we've all made mistakes, and there's there's forgiveness and there's grace and all those things. But here's the thing. If you're in a struggling relationship right now, don't give yourself an out when you know that we serve a God that can fix anything. Well, we serve a God of the impossible. I know you think it looks impossible, but he makes all things possible. He makes all things new. There's not a single thing that he can't change and transform in a moment. And you want to build that strong family. You want to build that, that family that will stand the test of time. You want to raise a generation that will experience all that God has for them. It begins with you as a husband. It begins with you as a wife making a commitment. Just like God made a commitment to us. For God so loved us. He gave up the most precious thing, his son. You know what we do? 
It's when we make a commitment to the other person. We, make, we give up our most precious thing. Our rights, our desires, our wants. And say, man, I'm going to love you unconditionally until the very end. And I want to encourage you out there. I know there's a lot of people that are struggling because we've gotten more phone calls than we've gotten in our last 11 years in the last six months. I believe that God can do a divine work in your life. I believe that with one touch from the presence and the hand of God, a miracle can take place. And I just want to pray for every marriage that's in this room, every person that's watching online right now, Maybe you're struggling in your relationship. Maybe your relationship is perfect, but here's what I know is that God wants to do something even better than how good it is right now. Maybe your marriage is really bad right now and you're going, man, I don't know if I can take another day. I want you to know that in one instant, God can change everything. That his power, his presence, his might, his touch, his spirit, it knows no limits. It has no boundaries. It can change everything. And so I just want to pray for you. And I just want to pray that God would step into the middle of whatever your situation is and he would do what only he can do, which is heal and restore and change and transform. So if you just bow your heads wherever you are, God, I just come before you and I thank you that you are a God, that you established marriage. You're the one that established that the two shall become one. And God, when we, when we put your presence and your spirit in it, it, it takes it to a H&L, a whole nother level. And I just pray for every marriage. I pray for every relationship. I pray for every family right now, God, that your presence would permeate whatever the, the problems are that are, are arising right now, whatever the difficulties are, God, that all of a sudden that you would get right in the middle of those things and you would start to bring husbands and wives together, God, that where there has been separation, God, that you would begin to close the divide, that you'd begin to close the gap with your spirit, God, that you would create that bridge where they can cross over and go, you know what, I was wrong, I messed up, and that we would see restoration begin to take place, that we would see healing in broken places begin to take places in those marriages, God, that your, your presence and your spirit would change the hearts and minds of people right now in the name of Jesus. God, that the negative thoughts and the idea of walking away would dissipate right now in the name of Jesus. And that, God, that you would do what only you could do, which is the miracle. God, I thank you that you're a God that changes everything. All the time, every time. We put our families and our trust and our marriages in your hand. And we thank you for what you're going to do in advance. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this weekend is a really, really sad weekend for Shayla and I and for our team. In fact, I'm going to invite Shayla up here with me um, because, and, and I'm going to invite Braden and uh, his wife, Rachel. Rachel, can you come up here real quick? Um, Braden has been our worship leader for the last almost three years, and he and his beautiful wife, they are the beautiful people. We hear that people come to church just to look at him. <laughs> 
And that's not from just women, that's men as well. Apparently he's the man crush for a lot of people. Like, uh, but uh, they, they have been an incredible, incredible part of our family. And uh, once you're part of our family, you're always family here at Coastal Community Church. Uh, we believe in family. And, but they've, they've felt over the last couple months that God is really calling them to go back home and, and make an impact, particularly on, on Rachel's family. And, uh, you know, when they told us, uh, here's what I know is that when God calls you to places, my hope for you is that you'll be obedient in life. And, and I remember sitting there with Brayden. We were actually sitting in the, the baby room, uh, and we were having this conversation. And he's like, I don't want to leave. And I was like, I don't really want you to leave. <laughs> but I'm not going to convince you to do something differently than God's will for your life. Like, I want you to follow that call no matter what it is. And so this is going to be their last weekend here. They're going to be moving back to Kansas City. And, and, and I want you to know that they have been one of the greatest blessings to our church. We absolutely love them. And uh, they love God like nobody's business. Is they, I mean, this dude will sing at six services a weekend with that silky smooth voice. And... <laughs> those bulging biceps, and, and, and we're going to miss that. <laughs> we trade genes all the time. I mean, we have such an, a really weird relationship, but it's, it's great. That's maybe TMI, but we, we want to, to pray for them, and uh, we want to send them out. They, they've been so honoring in, in, uh, as they're, they're moving on to the next season of life, and this is, this is not uh, goodbye. This is just see you later till you come back. And uh, they're going to come back. They just don't know it yet. God's, but uh, would you guys, we, we believe in extending hands and, 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 and praying. Would you guys just extend your hands as we pray over them? God, we thank you so much for this couple. We thank you for the incredible gifts and talents that you've put within their heart. And God, I'm so thankful that they have such a heart and a passion for you, God, and to be obedient to your voice. God, I, I, I thank you that even in the midst of the struggle of not wanting to do something, God, they were willing to step out and say, God, I will do whatever you say to me. God, I pray that you would bless them, God, in immeasurably more ways than they could think or imagine. I, I, I actually pray, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, that you would do immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine. God, that you would, you would move in their lives like never before. God, that they would be blessed going in and coming out. That God, that they would be the head and not the tail, that everything that they would put their hands to, God, that you would prosper them, that you would continue to build upon the foundation of their, their marriage and their ministry, and that, God, that you would do incredible things in our life, God. We love them so much. We're so, so thankful for them. God, bless them in so many incredible ways. We can't wait to watch the journey of all that you do in their lives. We love them, and we love you, God. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, man.